Welcome to V.02, a conversation pace. My name is Brian Rossetti. I'm the founder of V.02, coaching platform for runners of all levels. Our podcast brings you the stories behind athletes and coaches who made a mark in the sport of running. Cover the circumstances, timing, and situations that led them on this journey. Discover the keys to their success, what inspired them along the way, gain insights into the minds of these exceptional individuals. Today, our guest is Stephen Kirsch. Steven's a natural distance runner and artist. Been lucky at V.02 to collaborate with his new company, Rabbit Wolf Creative. The visual content and stories they're creating around athletes and teams in our sport is stunning. In this episode, I'm fascinated by all the different training philosophies, methods, and experiences Steven endured. There's a lot of great lessons in here. He was a bit undertrained in high school, then ran at two top caliber collegiate teams in Portland and Georgetown. Stephen talks about the very different approaches in those programs and how he adapted. We then get into his development into one of the best ultra runners in the country and his contribution to our sport with all the beautiful imagery he's creating at Rabbit Wolf. Hope you enjoy this episode. Stephen. Brian. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> so this is the first time, uh, first time we've met, man. Yeah, man. So how many phone conversations now I finally get to... I know, Slack, phone, I mean, I feel like I know you, man, pretty intimately, but it's great to finally meet you. Awesome. I uh, appreciate you doing this. And um, so the, the podcast, I just want to get into just your story a little bit, a little bit of background before we kind of get into um, the work that you're doing in, in the sport that we both love. Um, so... I just want to talk a little bit because I honestly I don't know too much about your background. Sure. Um, we started talking. I don't know what was it last year when you got involved um, with coaching on VDOT. So mm-hmm. um, up until this point, we've just been kind of talking on the phone. So um, I'm excited to get into a little bit of your background. So um, so growing up, I think Andre had mentioned uh, New Mexico. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, born and raised in Albuquerque. I haven't really met many people from Albuquerque. So we've got um, uh, Breaking Bad, obviously, oh right? Yeah, that's, that's their first reference. First which reference. Which is probably fine. It's a which is, is uh, so a fan or are you not a fan? Definitely a fan of the show. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it casts Albuquerque in a pretty gritty sort of light. Um, of course. Which I think is earned, for sure. There's some there's some grit to that town. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I lived there for until I, until I went to college, so... I love Albuquerque. It holds a very fond place in my heart. I love being able to go back and visit. I still have some family there. So, yeah, it's a really special place. So I don't feel too lame um, mentioning that because I'm from Scranton, PA, and yeah, people yeah. ask me what? Of course, about The Office. <laughs> so, man, we're both linked to sitcoms. What do, what do you think about The Office? Yeah. Um, so... I think you guys are much cooler with Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. although The Office, I think, Office especially the early episodes. Get out Ooh. of town. The killer, yeah. yeah. Um, Better Call Saul, yep. mm-hmm. I'm really into it right now. Yeah. New I've never been to out. Albuquerque. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to visit. It's a very unique place. I think that's a, that's a word that I'd use to best describe it. I mean, you know, everyone's always like, oh, New Mexico must be so hot and dry there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably blow their mind that, I grew up skiing every winter, very close to the hometown. We'd many mountains to go ski in the winter, and you know in the summer you can go do anything you want: mountain bike, run. Um, it's at five thousand feet, which is pretty interesting. And not a lot of people correlate. You know, it's just as high as Denver. 
But yeah. Denver is my high city. What's with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. I you take guys a lot get of overlooked from there. for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think I think it's gonna have a moment here. What's <laughs> What's the difference between Santa Fe and Albuquerque, real quickly? Uh, I would say the art scene and to like that tourism is their main form of probably like economic boom. Uh, Santa Fe is like everyone goes to Santa Fe basically. And then in terms of like sports activities, outdoor mm-hmm. life, which is um, they pretty much the same, or is there a big um, difference? So the the bigger ski area, one of the bigger in the state, is in Santa Fe. So that's mm-hmm. huge for them. And it's you know thirty twenty minutes from downtown, you can be skiing yeah. in Santa Fe, which is an awesome little ski area. Um, it's higher; it's at seven thousand feet, so you get you know two thousand mm-hmm. more feet of bump. Um, but the activities, you know, year round, you get all four seasons. You can pretty much do anything you want. So Santa Fe is seven thousand. Yep. Same as rough as Flagstaff. Yeah, same roughly. as Flagstaff. Yeah. But why flat? Why is Flagstaff um, have just become like mecca. running mecca? Yeah. Versus Santa Fe. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to access of um, running areas. So Flagstaff has so many forest service roads, mm-hmm. which are what people, especially you know, marathoners track guys love to just go catch an easy run on or just these wide dirt roads whereas Santa Fe doesn't have as much as that um the runner friendliness and just general I guess like the rural nature of Flagstaff that you can get out really quickly and you're on just endless trails which you have in Santa Fe too but I think there's more of an emphasis on running centric activities in Flagstaff versus Santa Fe so um growing up in Albuquerque, um, what was your interest, participation in sports? Mm-hmm. Um, when did running come into play? But initially, what was the the catalyst to get into to sports? Yeah, I had no interest in running for pretty much all through high school. Um, I played soccer, so I was a big club soccer in the fall, and then or high school soccer in the fall and then club soccer in the spring once I got to high school and then before that it was baseball soccer year-round um, so I played all four years of high school soccer so my fall I never ran a season across country in high school um, and I, I ran I played club soccer until my junior year of high school where I started running track and the reason I started running track was my dad was always super into running mm. um, he always told me that you know you'd be a really good runner if this is something you wanted to do Never pushed me to do it. I just wanted to do other things. Um, but at our high school, we would always have like a two-mile kind of time trial for the soccer team, and you had to get under 12 minutes during the two days, and you could stop running it. So if you got it your first day, you didn't have to run it the rest of the five days. Wait, know? so the incentive was to stop running? Yeah, exactly. Was to not run? Yeah, if you, could, if you came in in shape enough to run sub-12 minutes in the two-mile, then you didn't have to run anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I was always able to do that just kind of naturally. It was fairly easy and then my junior year I ran like 10 I ran 1039 um which the coaches up to that point had like never seen a soccer player do that and it was like we pretty close to our school record in the two mile that time which isn't saying a whole lot <laughs> Wait, 1039 off of just soccer practices yeah. and soccer games mm-hmm. and you, did you play like were you yeah, yeah I was, a starter on the team mm-hmm. yeah so yeah our, our school had a very competitive um soccer team so yeah and I played all four years and uh yeah so at that point like but I was always I was okay like I definitely my senior year I was pretty good but uh up to that point like you know I'd start maybe half the games but I was no special soccer player and then uh 
the coaches were kind of like, you should think about running track. And my dad, I was like, you should definitely run track. <laughs> and so I started running track the next spring. Which was what year? Junior year of high school. Junior year of high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, just did, did fine. Just kind of cut my teeth a little bit, you know, ran some 430 miles maybe. Um, but did still, I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't have someone... My coaches were great, but no one was like, yeah, you should try to run like every day, um, not just on practice days, and you should run more than a mile and a half, you know, warm up and cool down. Maybe you could run yeah. a little bit more, maybe on the weekends. Um, so not great direction in high school. No, I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my senior year, I had some success. I I finally, I, at the state championship meet, I won the two mile for the state. I ran 9.50, which at that point was a huge PR. Um, and then broke eight or broke two minutes in the 800 thank god and then had a nice little mile race and then after that i had a couple schools state schools that offered me like you know so to be able to join their teams that coming fall but i'd already committed committed i already decided to go to the university of portland um because earlier that year coach connor rob connor um we had talked and i think he saw i think he, he looking back on it I think you realize like, oh, this kid has a lot of potential. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing, um, and I'm going to let him walk on. So, yeah, he, he offered me a walk-on spot, and I decided to, to cool. go to the University of Portland. Cool. So I, want, I definitely want to talk a lot about that. Um, just stepping back real quickly because I got into running because of my dad, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what, how did it start for your dad? Was it just weekend road races to get in shape? Did he run when, when he was younger? Yeah, so he, he grew up in this little tiny town called Raton, Mexico, wow. which is about four hours north of, New Me- of Albuquerque. It's right on the border of Colorado, tiny little town. And, uh, you know, my dad is kind of a guy that probably marches to the beat of his own drum, and he was really the only person that ran even in the town. He said, you know, growing up, he'd be running, and people would ask him, well, who's chasing you? Like, what are you doing, awesome. you know? Uh, so he played football in high school and he ran and he, he went to Trinity in San Antonio, Texas to run and play football there in college. So he did that for like a year and then was like, man, this... Why was he running? What, if there was no... He wasn't in an I environment he, that no, was... No, definitely not. But uh, I think he, there was some, they, they had an okay like track program, I think, okay. in the school and... He wasn't inspired by anyone... You know, watching Not the Olympics. Really. He has or... some stories about Frank Shorter coming okay. down because Frank Shorter trained in northern New Mexico. And, What's the altitude there? Uh, so where my dad grew up was 7,000 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Raton. Um, so yeah, you're on this like plateau of like high elevation. It's a pretty cool place to run. Um, but yeah, he, he, so he's, he's always been super into running and super into like endurance sports, cycling and everything. And yeah, he was, you know, I grew up and he was always training for something. So Cool. So that was always there for you. Definitely. Um, and then the moment you probably realized you were fast, I'm assuming, was maybe in soccer or maybe early in childhood where... Yeah, just, definitely soccer. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's when I realized, like, oh, yeah. like, the best way to get around someone wasn't dribbling. It was to kick the ball and just sprint after it. Um, that's great. So, yeah, I always knew I was fairly fast, but it was cool to then realize, like, that there was an outlet for specifically for that and that that was fun. And it wasn't a form of, like, punishment. Yeah. running was usually like ah oh, crap we gotta run same yeah. yeah same for me it was i was heavily involved in sports and it was just 
sadly, like everyone associated it with punishment. Totally. You, know, you screw up in practice, go run. It's right. Like, ugh. Over time, though, fortunately, right. I appreciated that. Turns into therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So Portland, why was Portland on the map for you? Um, besides, run- well, it wasn't running, right? You said Portland is where you wanted to go. Right. But you weren't really focused on running yet. Yeah, so I had gone, I would visited the year before because up to that point, I was like obsessed with trying to play Division One soccer. So I'd go to all these camps at college campuses and okay. and visited Portland and uh, you know it's such a it's such a unique town um, so different from Albuquerque obviously just like and I'd only visited I think in the summer so I was like man this place is perfect it's so green all the time <laughs> sunny little did I know uh, yeah but quickly it came to like I was not cut out to play Division One soccer um, but I was still I think I just wanted to be a Division One athlete. So when Coach Connor kind of floated the idea of me walking on that spring, you know, in spring of my senior year, he's like, you know, you can, you're welcome to come try out. Yeah. Um, in my head, I was like, oh, nice. I'm going to, I'm going to be a division one, division one athlete. So Portland was mixed in with a couple other schools, but I definitely went there mostly for the opportunity to join a team. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And Portland was nice. The venue was nice. The, the, venue the setting. Was really nice. Yeah, the setting yeah. was great. There's something yeah. I always. I don't know if it's just growing up around the concrete jungle of the East Coast, mm-hmm. and I just. I don't know. Portland is always seems charming to me, even yeah. when it's raining and right. kind of gray. But it's the just charm green. Will wear off after. Yeah, yeah. Rain, but, uh, <laughs> right. No, it's a, it's a three weeks cool of straight rain. Yeah, I, I loved. I loved my time in Portland. Okay, cool. So, Coach Connor, I don't. Obviously, I know of him. Mm-hmm. I used to, I trained at Zap with uh, oh, yeah. Joe Driscoll. Oh yeah, for sure. The um, Driscoll twins, I think. Yeah, yeah. So Joe was how many years older than you? Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't on the team with Joe. No, but he still had like some records even when I showed up. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I I certainly know. Obviously, great program. Um, so, what was the training like? What was the transition like? Briefly, if you can touch on that, because you came from not so serious in high school yeah. which again very similar to myself yeah. so I had a miserable uh, freshman year I had a coach who threw me into the fire and sort of hoped you know it was going to work out. out yeah so what was the transition like what's the the Portland you know philosophy what's coach Connor what's yeah. that philosophy like um I guess personally my transition was really it was great um I obviously had not run much at all in in high school, and then when Coach Connor sent over like our summer training, you know, he was like, "Yeah, by the end you should be running seventy miles a week." And in my head, I'm just like, "There's no way I can run seventy miles a week." Because you're coming from what? Uh, I mean, twenty. Twenty. Yeah. yeah, maybe I ran the longest. I remember the like the summer that summer when I first started training. I, I was gonna go on a six mile run, and I brought a goo. I was like, "I've never done this before. I'm at bonk." <laughs> So I brought a goo and... Uh, oh, the so six-miler. Sh- yeah, the six-miler. So that kind of shows you what I was coming into. Um, but Coach Connor was awesome. I mean, definitely, if anything, he's always very... Un- he'll always kind of underestimate your fitness, um, which was great for me because he, like, you know, we were doing mile reps at, like, 5.30 pace, right? But for me, who was just trying to build, like, an aerobic pace, like, that was perfect. I didn't need anything about that. So I had this great trajectory I was just like every week I was getting better and it was so exciting you know and it was really interesting because paired with there was a ton of walk-ons um but every week like oh where'd that guy go you know they just kind of stopped showing up and 
I just kind of kept showing up and they couldn't get rid of me. And uh, I fell into a great group of friends and teammates who just became my people. So, so it's very open, welcome oh, totally. to walk-ons. Oh, yeah. But there's no, it doesn't sound like there's much catering in terms of individualizing. It's sort of like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You I know, if you want to keep coming out, great. Yeah, for kind of the back half, it's like that. Like, Coach Connor, yeah. if you want to run with us, you're welcome to come run with us. Right. Like, he'll give you, you know, we get in the van every day. We go to Forest Park. Um, you're welcome to do that as long as you keep showing up, you know. But the workouts definitely, his his philosophy back then at least was just kind of like as much volume as not like a crazy amount of volume but like you should definitely be running you know 90 100 mile weeks um and then really big like threshold efforts so we did a lot of like 10 mile tempo runs which to me was just blowing my mind as a freshman yeah Uh, a lot of 10 by mile you know 10 by k you're doing 10 by mile in height or excuse me freshman year of college yeah i I remember one of my first workouts was like eight or 10 by mile just like really that's i had done like three by k that was my biggest amounts of volume but yeah luckily i was able to somehow pull it off and no injuries freshman year or no I significant never, uh, setbacks i had one weird injury my sophomore year of college i like broke a metatarsal just on a run i was like i had no pain but from impact not stress not like stress i don't think it just happened too quickly repetitive stress yeah. no but other than that i was completely healthy during my time in portland so. why do you think so um, I think a lot of it has to do with, we we ran a lot on soft surfaces, you know, we're in Forest Park, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a 70 mile system of trails in Portland. I know of it, I've never had the, the pleasure of running oh, it, yeah. it's, it's amazing, it's a runner's dream. That's the cool. single track butter trail with like, you mm. know, just completely soft. We did a lot of stuff on grass, um, but also at the same time I didn't get injured because I didn't really, again, like even, even as I was progressing through junior, senior year, like I still didn't know a ton about running I think and yeah coach Connor is someone that like you're gonna figure it out on your own kind of he'll like I love coach Connor great coach but a lot of it is up to you like how good do you want to be and I'll help you get there but he's not gonna really probably show you the way as much um so I took it upon myself like maybe I should start doubling so you know junior year of college was like the first time I ever doubled um, but but firstly you're saying a little bit of like ignorance is bliss like you kind of yeah you weren't like, oh my gosh, this training is going to destroy me. Yeah. I you were just kind of went in like, this is what we're supposed to do. Totally. And you survived. and Said yes to everything. Right. Didn't do anything else. That you I weren't asked. there questioning like, how can we be doing this? No. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know any better. I was yeah. like, all right, if this is what we got to do, we got to do it. Yeah. Um, definitely ignorance is bliss though. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, it would have been interesting if I could have I think I would have got maybe a little bit more out of myself had I known more about the sport. Like, as much as I do now, it would be cool to maybe go back to college. But at the same time, it kept me injury-free. I got to race a lot. Uh, had a good time. So. What's your turnover like? Do you – I've only seen you run a little bit mm-hmm. um, in motion. Yeah. Um, do you know – I mean, we're really geeking out yeah, here. Yeah. What's the your cadence? Do you know the stride rate? Yeah, it's not 180, unfortunately. I it's think lower. It's, yeah, well, it's like I, one, I think it's around 176 usually. Yeah. Um, which isn't terrible. Right. I definitely we don't, bound a bit. Yeah. Like, I'm a four-foot striker. My mid-foot four-foot striker. Um, very neutral. Like, very – I'm on, a, I'm on a plane the whole time, which is good. Well, I, think, I mean, this is a good point to, yeah. to, to make that um, – I think there's a misconception that 
the Jack thinks everyone should be 180, mm-hmm. which isn't right. true. Yeah. You know, that's not a magic number. Yeah. I think it's something for many beginners to aspire to, mm-hmm. to try and turn over better. But I was just curious into maybe what were some of the factors that helped keep you healthy, yeah. making going from 20 miles, because I had a stress fracture my really? freshman yeah. year. And, um, but also it doesn't even sound like you felt the effects of overtraining, no. where there was this long adaptation process. You just seemed to embrace it. Yeah, Maybe that's a lot of I've mental. I've never thought about that. But like, <laughs> yeah, thinking about the jump and mileage, and even more so probably an effort. Yeah. Um, and then with all the stress from you know being a freshman in college and stuff, like I'm surprised I didn't get really sick or something. You know, have something. Yeah. There. But no, I I kept it together. And what was your diet like? Just typical college athlete. You just ate what you wanted. Uh, Were you that concerned about it? I was I wasn't concerned, but I guess my family is always we eat very healthy. Okay. So I think I was just like. So you grew up with a good base, good foundation. Yeah, I was just kind of used to like, well, I'm going to eat this, not yeah. eat pizza every night. You know, whereas you see some kids, it's like Gatorade, chocolate milk, pizza. and uh, Yeah, that's not definitely not what I did. Um, and we had a good, our group of, my grade at Portland was amazing. And I think we cared a whole lot more than maybe previous years about like that kind of stuff. It wasn't just about crushing a workout. It was like, well we should probably treat our bodies a little better and not go out and drink every night. Yeah. Yeah. So were you guys, what did you guys place? Were you at nationals as a team um, the years I, you were at Portland? Yeah. So we went every year. I never traveled with the team. You didn't? Um, no. But uh, I think the best. Where? What guy were you on the team on yeah, average? I was probably always like, I was probably like ninth, tenth. Just, just yeah, missing. Just out of there. On the cusp. Um, yeah. So that was always kind of a bummer in cross yeah. country. Um I always, you know, would start out pretty well and then just not be able to really put it together. But it was really special for me because I did my fifth year at Georgetown. So for, well, I want to get this because I'm, I'm not clear on how yeah. this happened. So I want to talk about mm-hmm. that. So four years at Portland. Four years. And you you started off freshman year running what uh, for 5K? Yeah, 10K. I, I, I had a pretty fun little progression. So yeah, yeah. I think my I ran one 5K my freshman year, and it was 15.30. Okay. So we would just, like, go out there and run five-minute pace, see what happens. So, like, man, that's pretty good, 15.30. Nice. And then I ran the next year. It was – it must have been that indoor season. Maybe my junior year. Uh, sophomore or junior year, I ran 14.30, like, six. Okay. Um, so, it was like, I chopped a minute off my, my 5K time, and it was crazy, you know. Um so and one minute, one year. One minute, one year. And then I progressed down to, I think I ran 14.28 by the time I was done in Portland. Um, I ran steeplechase, too. And it was too bad because, you know, I, ran, I think I, I ran like 9.19 as my first race. I'd never jumped over anything. And everyone's like, oh, man, you have so much root. Like, you get better at that. You're going to get sub nine, like, your next yeah. race probably. I think I only ever ran like 9.07 or something, you know, it was like I was never able to bring it down as much as I would have liked. Um, I never really put together a great 10K. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was always kind of competitive in the 5K, but for some reason could never put it together in the 10K during my time in Portland. And then how, how did you get to Georgetown? So you had another year of eligibility? Yeah, so I broke my foot my sophomore year of college. Okay. It's during spring break. 
um, during I, I was running actually during spring break. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't something stupid. But, sure, man. Yeah, whatever. Um, so that gave me an outdoors a full outdoor season. Okay. I redshirted my freshman year cross country season, so I had those two seasons, and then I tried to get an indoor season because I only raced like once one year in Portland, but. And I didn't get an indoor season. So I had an outdoor season and a cross-country season. Yeah. Um, and decided that I was interested in becoming a sports agent after college. And Georgetown has a great master's degree in sports industry management. Okay. Um, and a girl I was dating at the time had actually... I can't remember the timeline, but she was going to be out in D.C. So I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like, this would be a fun, fun way to spend a year. My brother was out there, actually, working at Georgetown Hospital. He's a nurse. Okay. Um, so I was like, yeah, this would be cool. Totally different, com- you know, East Coast. Like, I'd never been and to what DC. year is this now? 2014. Okay. Yeah. So I started at Georgetown Fall of 2014. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And then what was that transition like from yeah. Coach Connor to Coach yeah. Henner? Yeah. And um, the team, you'll just have to um, let us know what, what was the status of the team that year yeah. in terms of their placement uh, nationals compared to Portland what was the mm-hmm. the contrast between those teams in terms of ability and then also philosophy right yeah, yeah. so it was a very different experience for sure yeah. um just two very different philosophies around running um right away at Georgetown I was like this is completely different from anything I've been used to because it was so I don't know if regimented is the word but it was yeah. very um controlled I guess like <clears throat> coach Connor you know, on Sundays after our long run, to be like, Kirsch, how, how, how much did you run this week? Like, I don't know, man, like 100 miles. Like, all right, nice job. You right. know, versus Georgetown is like, you, on Mondays, like, you're going to run 100 miles this week, and this is how you're going to do it every day. Got it. Um, so for me, coming in as a fifth year, I loved it, because it was like, all right, this is, like, professional. Like, I'm just coming in here. I just want to take care of business. Um, and it was a super, super fun environment to be in and know that I was only being there a year, so I was just going to, like, suck and drive for everything I could get. Um, but I, to go back to your question about, you know, talent level and everything, I think Portland that the year that I left, we were ninth at nationals. And I think Georgetown perennial, like 2025, probably. Yeah. So they were around there. And that was another exciting thing. Cause I was like, I know I can contribute to this team. Like I know I can be top seven. So you went from like ninth or 10th man to hoping to be, you know, yeah. top five. Got it. Like, I know I can help this team out. So, but you're um, still improving at that point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 My times are still getting better. So I still know I had a lot to give. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to show up to D.C. and just no one knows you, you know, no one knows kind of your past at all. And you could just kind of show up there and tell yourself, like, I'm going to run with the top guys. Like versus Portland is like. Well, I know the top guys are a lot better than me because they've been <laughs> kicking the shit out of me for four years. So, like, I'll be with the second group. Mm. Versus a Georgetown, I was like, Curse, you want to be with them? I was like, yeah, I want to be with them. Um, so right away, I was just kind of, like, in our top five. Um, ran the best I'd, in my college career I ran at Georgetown. So that was pretty cool. And then so you finished at Georgetown with what was probably your best race at that point? Uh, yeah, I ran a fourteen oh six five k. Okay. Uh, in the spring, which qualified me for regionals. outdoors. Outdoor. Yeah. So that was super exciting because again, just like a huge PR to come from fifteen thirty to fourteen oh six, and I was like, man, my yep. mind was blown. And then to get to finally race at an NCAA race because actually that year at Georgetown, uh, 
I was always like our sixth, seventh guy and then just didn't race that well at our mm-hmm. conference meet. So then I was our alternate for regionals and nationals. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to still go to nationals because Portland ended up getting third that year. So that was a cool experience to see these guys that I've been running with get on the podium finally, like something that we had wanted to do for so long. And, you know, I wasn't in purple to watch it happen. I wasn't in the race, but it was still really cool to be in Terre Haute and see them on there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was special. Um, So in your head at that point, now you've graduated, um, you're done at Georgetown. Yep. And in your head, what are you thinking about in terms of, continuation in the sport whether it's as just a fan and mm-hmm. athlete or you want to be in the business you want to be in the industry where was your head like were you there and what else were you yeah. thinking you know what was the next step for you at that point um that's a good question because like thinking back on it i'm sure i had some clarity but now it's a bit fuzzy but i do remember being um my parents were in at georgetown and I basically told them, like, I'd been talking to my good buddy, Scott Fable, uh, who I ran with at Portland, and we were roommates the whole time, and he didn't really know what he was going to do. He wanted, he knew he wanted to run professionally, um, and he was thinking about joining this team in Flagstaff, and uh, mm. this girl that I was dating at the time was going to go spend her summer in Flagstaff, and I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I just remember telling my parents, like, I don't know, I don't have a job, but I just know I, I'd like to go to Flagstaff for a little bit, so that's what I'm going to do. And they're, I don't think they really got it, but they're like, okay, like, that's what you want to do. Like, Had you been to Flagstaff? Never. At that, okay. I'd driven through for, like, soccer tournaments, but never stayed there. Okay. I had no idea about it, really. Um, so, yeah, that summer of 2015, uh, Scott and I got a little apartment. I got a job at a sushi restaurant. Um, Karma Sushi, shout out. Thanks for the job. Um, <laughs> Mike Smith hooked me up with that one. And, uh, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's when I... I guess I was like, I needed some goal, right? I wasn't just going to go out there to go out there. And I was like, well, you should try to qualify for the marathon trials in 2016. So okay. my goal that summer was to get as fit as possible for a half marathon. Before you went to flag, was the marathon anywhere like on the horizon uh, in the back of your head at that point? I, I wouldn't say I like thought I could do that um, or even really wanted to do that. But um Fobble had he had uh, redshirted his outdoor season that year or uh-huh. indoor season, and so he ran Houston half marathon as a collegiate, and he ran like sixty four minutes, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Okay. Um, like I didn't even think that we could be running road races, so it was exciting. Um, I didn't had no idea what moving to Flagstaff was gonna mean for the rest of my life, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of just kind of like a all right let's do it flagstaff's kind of a magical place and we've seen um just in my network i've seen people go out there and you know vince sherry for instance who started run smart project with me moved out to flag and you know now he owns the running store he's a big part of the the community there so it's pretty cool yeah um aaron strout who's used to live in New York City with me. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's a big part of the yeah. running community. Yeah, she's doing such an incredible job yeah. covering the sport. Um, that's awesome. So um, Scott, too, uh, how is he feeling, by the way? We, we're two days away. Yeah, um, he's feeling great. Yeah? Yeah, we've uh, been lucky to spend pretty much the entire buildup with him um, and see everything that he's gone through. And yeah, he's fit as ever. I mean... Yeah. If, I, if I had to put money on it, I would definitely 
think he's going to to be an Olympian on Saturday. Awesome. So, yeah. Exciting. Super exciting. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the work that you're doing outside of your own running. Sure. Um, but real quickly, so you get to flag, and, and now it's more clear, the transition um, to the marathon. Um, and then it makes sense. I mean, you're s- such an incredible environment for ultra right. running and that you're sort of surrounded by it. So um, I do want to get into a little bit about the transition. So in two, 2016, you qualified for the Olympic trials um, running a half, right? Yep. And that was what, 64 minutes? 64.30. Yeah. Yep. And where was that again? Philadelphia, rock and roll. Nice. Yeah. That's a pretty good course, right? Oh, so fast. Yeah. And it cruising. was earlier, the, or it was later in the year that year, so like the temperature was just perfect. So you qualified for the trials, and then um, what was the buildup to that? How did that go? Yeah. The training for the marathon? Yeah, the buildup was great. Yeah. Um, I got super fit. Um, Mike Smith was still coaching me. So Mike was your coach at that time? Yeah. Was, he started okay. coaching me that summer. Okay, I, great. Uh, you know, he knew about Flagstaff, and Henner told me to, you know, talk to Mike, because I asked Henner to keep coaching me, and then I like, see. Mike knows way more about Flagstaff, altitude, you should talk to him, Okay. and road racing, so Mike started coaching me. I think I had to, like, prove it to Mike that I was committed for a while, because okay. he wouldn't give me training, but he gave me a training log, so I think he just wanted me to, like, put in what I was doing, uh, so then... I think, yeah, we started working together. So no workouts initially. It's no, just for like a month, and it was so Write annoying. down what you're doing. It's like, when's he going to tell me what to do? I was like, so that was just like doing what everyone else was doing. You know, like, what are you doing this week? Which is a great way to get fit in Flagstaff, because everyone's always doing crazy shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I got I got real fit. Um, I was really excited. And then um, okay. came down with a, with a sacral stress fracture. Oh, man. We yeah. have so much in common. Man. Yeah, man. Okay. I broke my sacrum about three weeks out of the race. That is not fun. No. So I didn't know what was going on. So I had some, like, it was like quad pain, weirdly enough. Like, quad yeah, pain? Yeah, I was referring to my quad. So I thought I had like muscle pain. Um, so Mike was just like, man, just get on the alter G. Like, don't run. You're fine. Just, just don't well, do anything. Did it go... Um, was it misdiagnosed at all, or did you go for a while not knowing what it was? Yeah, which go is for a while, just common, like, right? I didn't really want to diagnose because I wanted sure. to race so badly, but like it got to a point where I mean I couldn't, I just couldn't run. So for me, it was more like in the glute. Yeah. I just felt jammed back, yeah. like low back glute. I'm like getting shivers. And yeah. for a while, I was just like, oh, it's, it was treated as soft, you know, soft, soft tissue, tissue issue. Yeah. And we just got to get this to release. And, right. And I'm like, man, like, yeah. I just, every time I take a step, yeah. you know, it's there. It's like <laughs> it won't go away. Yeah. Um, just devastating. It was 10 weeks. I was out for oh, 10 really? weeks. Like, yeah. really at the peak of my running yeah. too is devastating. It's a hard uh, one to come back from too. So what are some of the factors when you look back on the sacral stress fracture? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually know quite a, a few people who have had one. Yeah. Um, to you, what do you think were the causes? You know, um, if you had to guess or if you feel like yeah. what's your educated guess? I mean, it sounds like such a blanket answer, but I'm yeah. running a ton of mileage. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like your body, I've found out like my body can only handle so much pounding. And for a long time, I was telling myself that, like, oh, you're super durable. You can run a ton of miles and get away with it. And, and you're not just on the dirt in the mountains. Like no, you're on I the was, road. Yeah, it's a lot of road Getting stuff. ready for the marathon. Um, but up to that point, I really hadn't been injured. So I had no reason to think that I couldn't be running multiple 130 mile weeks in a row while on my feet all day at a job, 
and not doing any. Where were you working at that time? Karma Sushi. Oh, yeah. Karma, you said Shout that. Out. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. That's cool. I've gorged at yeah. Karma before. Oh, okay, yeah, so I appreciate your service. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also think I got a little, like, just... I got too light, you know, from working. I wasn't able to, like... I was like, going to say, nutrition, like, yeah. is that was that a part of it? I think so. I mean, yeah. it was the lightest I've ever been um, yep. consistently and running the most I've ever been, and I just don't think those things were in simpatico and... Um, you yeah. Know, yeah. In your in your head at that time, because for me, my mentality was to obviously to to be as light as I could be. Yeah. Instead of like I need to eat for performance. Right. You know. Yeah. I wasn't concerned about like the nutrients and sure. make sure I was getting this in. It was like, you know, I'm just gonna stick right. to yeah, try and be as light as possible. And I think that was the biggest factor for me. Yeah, and I think luckily there's starting to be a shift in yeah. ideology about that. And like, you should probably be strong and you can be strong and lean versus like just, yeah, I'm rail skinny right now and I'm at, running. At that time, what were you doing for mobility and strength? Nothing. There, uh, I was nothing. time, you know, I was yeah. working and if I wasn't working, I was running. If I wasn't running, you I was resting. trying to sit. And if I wasn't yeah. sitting, I was sleeping. Yeah. And it's like, that's all I did, you know? Sure. I, could, I wish I would have been better with that stuff because i'm sure that would have played such a huge role but you live and you learn i guess yeah these are the grievances of a non-sponsored uh post-collegiate athlete yeah i had no other choice (laughs) (laughs) um so the marathon you don't show at the trials right 2016 you do show yeah Okay, um, but you're injured a couple months injured, before. Injured, I didn't know exactly serious what was wrong. injury. I hadn't gotten an MRI, but you had it. Okay. You know, Mike and I were just like, let's just go, you just stand on the line at least, and somehow it was crazy because like the day before was the first time I'd run in probably like ten days, and yeah. I was like, it doesn't hurt that bad, so let's just start. So I ended up running a loop. I ran like ten miles. Um, at a way too fast a pace, which was kind of fun because like, well, I know I'm gonna drop out, so I don't really care where I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I ended up dropping out. Okay. It was so cool, though, to be a part of it. Absolutely, man. He made yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then what happens? What's the transition from there? What's your mentality? Um, not being able to finish the, your first, you know, you made the trials. You didn't finish. Um, but you haven't come back in the marathon since. And since you've been competing in ultras, correct? Sort of. Sort so, of. Um, so I spent the rest of 2016, well not the rest of, but I was like rehabbing and everything. And then Mike was still coaching me and I said, I want to run Houston next January, Houston marathon. Um, so once again, like got stupid fit. I was so fit, probably the fittest I've ever been in my life. Stupid uh, fit. I yeah, like that. Lining up for, for Houston and 2017. But unfortunately like the weather was just crap that day. Like super, it was like, you know, super muggy, high temperatures. So mm. I ended up only running 225, um, which was a huge bummer. And, and that I, was your first finish, right? First, finish, yeah. first marathon finish ever. First and only. First and only. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and after that, I think I was just, I was trying to run the marathon for some really awful reasons. Mostly it was associated with like, I'm not a 225 guy. Like I cannot let people think that I'm a 225 guy. And I was just banging my head against the wall trying to to rally back for these races um, that my body just wasn't recovering for. Um, And I raced like terribly for the next year probably until I finally in 2018, I had a couple good 
I was like, I don't really want. I'll train for Chicago in 2018. So racing isn't going well. Training isn't either. Not really. Nothing yeah. feels fluid. It just feels like I'm. Everything's really hard. Just um, overtraining. Probably. But yeah. part mentally, you just part weren't. mentally, I was yeah. just. Sure. I, I wanted to run fast, but I don't think I like wanted it for the right reasons. And so was the transition ultra was to. It helped freshen spice things up a bit. Freshen things, yeah. spice it. All right. In 2018, I was like, okay, Chicago Marathon. Um, but I had been working with a Canadian coach, mm. uh, so he was like, "Hey, you should come up to Canada in the spring and run these two 10Ks." So I ended up running great at these 10Ks, and it was super. I ran like 29:40 the first time I ever broke 30 minutes on the road, um, and that was super exciting. And uh, so I was like, "Oh man, like Chicago's gonna be great. I'm gonna get in shape, but yeah. first I'm gonna run this." 55k up in Flagstaff on the mm. trails and my coach was like sure man do whatever you want and uh wait your coach meaning Mike or someone who are you working with yeah I started working with Dylan Wikes okay in sure the middle of 2017 yeah 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 so that was a cool little shift and Dylan where did Dylan run in, in college again in Providence. at Providence correct and okay. then uh represented Canada at the 2012 yep. games the marathon and I knew him cool training Flagstaff and we kept him touch. and he's got a big group in Canada now. yeah mile to marathon yep yeah so um cool so yeah he was like yeah go for it and then after i raced that i, I like must may have been a day after i was like dylan i'm not gonna do chicago i think i'm just gonna do trails you loved it i loved it was it. just yeah yeah it was just like it was amazing it just took took over my life and then that i think it didn't help that a couple of weeks later i went to go um cover western states 100 for sidious mag mm. and uh that race it was like well I who know won that year jim or yeah yeah that was the first year jim won okay yeah so, where he went like he was had a record pace right early and then yeah i think he got lost right <laughs> well the first year in 2016 he did it he got lost yeah ended up finishing but like but yeah yeah it was 20th place 2017 was running just insanely fast yeah and so hot that he dropped out at like mile right okay 80, and then so 2018 was the first year he put it all together, set a course record. Um, and we were there for that. And after seeing that race, I was like, man, I got to go do this. This is amazing. So now you've got, you have 100 mile weeks under your belt. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up at altitude. Yeah. You, you made them move to flag. And so it all kind of comes together. Um, you just seem like a great fit for yeah. the ultra. And totally. then eventually you go, you cover Westerns with... Sidious, with Sidious, yeah. right? And I want to talk about Sidious and yeah. and the other stuff you're doing too. Um, so then it gets into training for Westerns, right? Mm-hmm. Or was there something before that? There was a couple things before that because, you know, I wasn't just going to jump into a 100-mile race. I didn't even know when I was going to do it. I remember telling my girlfriend, like, I'm going to do Western States in 2019. And she's like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> in less than a year, you've never, you've run one ultra race. I was like, I don't care. Like, I need to do this. And uh, so up that, that whole spring, that whole fall, I ran a couple of 50Ks, okay. and they all went really well. Um, I was like, all right, at least I know I'm good at this. But I to get into Western States, either you get in, in a lottery system, which is really hard, yep. or you um, compete at a golden ticket race. So the golden ticket race, there's six of them, and if you're top two, um, you get a golden ticket, and that means you can enter Western States. Yeah. So uh, in 2019... Uh, Lake Sonoma 50 miler. Um, a bunch of my friends in Flagstaff had done that one as their first 50. Okay. Like, you know, it's super runnable, very fast, like very good for guys like us who come from a track background. Sure, sure. Um, so I signed up for that, and that was to be my first 50 mile race. 
Um, ended up getting fourth at that race. Okay. But luckily, one guy already had an entry to Western States. Um, Jared Hazen, my teammate from Flagstaff with the Coconino Cowboys. Shout out, Coconino Cowboys. Yeah. He got a ticket. He won the race, so he had a ticket. And then and the guy who got third or second ended up passing the ticket on. He didn't want to run Western States. So it fell to me in fourth place. Nice. So it was a good way to get one. Nice. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I had my entry to Western States in okay. April, April of last year. Okay, cool. And then what was your experience training for Western? And um, and just, I want to talk a little bit about the race too. Because yeah. uh, I've seen the photos yeah, and, and read the captions. and uh, yeah. yeah, oh my gosh. Um, well, training was great. We were very lucky. We had... Um, Myself, Eric Sensman, Jim Walmsley, and Jared Hazen were all training for Western States. And we're nice. all very all good based in flag. Flagstaff. Yep. And we have uh, Tim Frericks, another guy who's a really great runner who would run Western States. And okay. we all basically, any like big run that we do, we do together. So it was amazing having this built in like, well, I have to go run this 30 mile run with these guys, you know. And we're also blessed in Flagstaff to be so close to the Grand Canyon, yep. which is kind of our little playground. and. It's just a great place to get ready for all the descending of Western states and all the climbing, and it's hot in there, you know. So, so the canyon is is perfect. Well, maybe not perfect, but it's great or ideal for Western mm-hmm. Western states. Or is it for any ultra ultimately? I think for any ultra. Yeah. Um, the unique thing about the canyon, right, is like it's an upside down mountain. Yeah. So I hadn't run in there much until really last year, and it just you're descending for what can be like an hour to 70 minutes to get down to the river and you're running fast and you're just crushing your quads. How many miles down to the river? Um, depends on where you go, but usually about six or seven. Six to seven miles down. Six to seven miles down, yeah. And it takes you how long? Uh, descend usually in like, an, I mean, cat, like I've never really just gone for it, but probably like an hour. An hour. Yeah. And then so. what's the difference turning right around, coming back um, up? So we... A good time to beat is usually if you can be around 70 minutes that's like killer and I've done that a couple times which is like when you know you're in shape Ooh. but it can take I mean man I've climbed down like 90 minutes you know because what's the, on a bad day <laughs> what's the elevation gain 5,000 feet that's 5,000 in about six miles and six miles yeah so it's a uh, it's a lot yeah <laughs> I've only been like halfway down we used yeah. to do retreats oh yeah and I think the first year we brought people down yeah um, a few miles, and then we're like, not doing that again. Yeah. You, you can get <laughs> over your head real quick. Because it just, it was a hot day as we went down in, and then just gaining altitude coming out. It was totally. just like, okay. And that's what's so unique. Let's stay on the rim. Yeah, you just crush your legs going down, and then yeah. you got to climb out, you know? So, so do you guys do intervals coming up? No. Or no? No, the whole thing's basically a giant threshold, you know? Yeah, you're uh, just... I mean, your effort is... It's so similar to a tempo run, uh, sub-threshold effort. It's like doing that for an You're hour, just shuff- you know? yeah, shuffle, yeah, shuffle, shuffle. Yeah. So I want to tell you, you say big run. Um, a lot of our listeners are marathoners, not necessarily ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always that question, especially for beginners or recreational runners the 20 mile long run and right. who should be doing them how many you you know is appropriate in your build up and right. um i love we had rob Carr at one of our coaching clinics mm-hmm. um out in california one year with jack and um it was great one of the audience members said you know 
before I think this is before he won one of the uh, either Leadville or Western yeah. States um, and someone said what was your longest long run before that mm. competition and Rob said 30 miles mm. yeah um, so I'm just yeah. curious how that differs or is it roughly what you would have done before a 100 mile race in I one ran, run yeah we ran a lot of 30 mile runs probably like i probably got in three or four 30 milers but our biggest day was rim to rim to rim okay so which is how 42 miles Ooh. and it took about nine hours i think of like total we were messing around a bit but uh that was probably the best day of training it was just like you couldn't ask for a, like, it was going to be a long day, but you get to be with five of your best friends and you're just running across the Grand Canyon, you know? It's pretty so, amazing. Yeah, it was a pretty special, pretty special day. But yeah, that was the longest day of training I've ever done. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to do that. I do think you can get away with like 30 mile runs. Um, yeah. To me though, mentally it was great because a 30 mile run typically would only take maybe like four, four hours, four or five hours. So to be out there for like nine, you know, which was even to that point, I'd only race for about six hours is my longest. Yeah. So to be out there longer than that, I was like, all right, like you survived, you know, you can be out here for a while and your stomach's okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was our biggest day for sure. So Western States, you get there, you're, you're set. I just recorded your seventh place. 15 hours, 54 minutes, yeah. the longest race you've ever done. Yes, sir. Um, seventh place, yeah. um, 30 minutes off of fourth, roughly 30 minutes is yeah. just a note I made mm. off of fourth place. So was that kind of tight up front for the most part or, or yeah, not? Yeah, it was. Or was that pretty average? Um, that was the fastest race in history of Western States. It was, yeah. meaning the top. Top How many 10. guys? Top 10 fastest on average. We're all under hours, which is pretty... I mean, it never happened before. Incredible. We got blessed with some really nice weather. I think the high ended up only being like in the low 90s. But is it just more and more talent is yeah. now gravitating towards this every year? Because if you look at everyone that's like in front of me even, yeah. it was like, you know, Jim and Jared, two young dudes that are really good. Um, my new teammate, Tom Evans, is yeah. a British guy. He also comes from a fast running background. Matt Daniels, four minute miler, you know, it's like all these guys who are just super fast are coming to the sport. And um, yeah, on that day, I mean, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I found myself near the front of the race feeling really good. Um, I think I was in third place at one point, which was just like, this is insane. Like, what are you doing? But wow. you have no choice but to keep going. So right? you were you were feeling okay, but the the idea that you were in third was sort a of scary. a little bit unnerving. Yeah, I know. I know my first hundred mile race. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, you're just kind of keen off guys. Like I ended yeah. up uh, running a lot with Tom Evans, who ended up running. Uh, he got third that day, but we spent probably like twenty miles together, which was really good to just kind of have like someone that you're like, all right, like, I know I can run with this guy. I've run with this guy before. I know I'm doing something right. Yeah. So you're not constantly looking at your shoulder, questioning every decision you make. Um, so that was that was really great. Um, so I want to, I mean, you could probably do a whole episode here on that race. Yeah. And the, the things you went through <laughs> mentally, especially. Um, I do want to touch base on the work that you're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, so talk a little bit about um, finishing Western States real quickly and then I want to talk about the, the work that you're doing now um, yeah. so the the race finishes and what was it like I mean emotionally I'm sure it was just incredible yeah. but then also 
what's the recovery look like? I just can't even imagine. Yeah, it was an emotional upheaval for sure to yeah. like cross the line and see my family and friends. It was just like, yeah. I just like broke down, you know? It was like a, a dream I'd had for a year and somehow it just happened and it happened more amazing. Like I was top 10, I couldn't believe it. Um, and yeah, the recovery was a real bear. Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel like myself for months. I was just so messed up from that race. Um, months just physically and yeah um, i just didn't have much energy yeah um it was hard to go out for a run and feel like i remember like probably like took me six weeks to be like okay i feel like i'm back a little bit okay um wow yeah it was pretty rough um did you go into it shooting for top 10 or was that just like i just want to survive this thing and if i place well that's bonus or were you really gunning for in my head, like I had written down some goals, and I a goal I wrote down was top five. I didn't yeah. tell anyone that. I don't think. I think I just anyone that I asked is like, oh, I just want to finish. Yeah. But I thought I could do well. I don't know why I thought that. I uh, could imagine it's humbling though, right? Because you're yeah. probably as fast or faster than some of these guys, yeah. right? But it's just a whole other animal. It's a different sport, almost. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, at the same time, it's just it's running. So yeah. I, I knew I, I could do that pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, I accomplished a huge goal, um, top ten. That was great. Um, but yeah, recovering was was a real pain in the ass and. Um, we're yeah. still, still kind of recovering from it, honestly. So one of the things that I love about your story and what we're trying to cover on the show is is really what got you hooked into running, um, your story and how it progressed right. as an athlete, but then how you've sort of um, stuck in this sport um, and whether it's through coaching. Um, we've got a lot of cool people and our network that have that are giving back to the sport, you know, that they've been involved in now for so many years. And um, one of the reasons that we started to work together is your work at um, Rabbit Wolf. Mm-hmm. So I want you to to introduce people to to what you're doing um, at Rabbit Wolf because the the work that you guys produce um, is just stunning. I mean, we're just struck by the talent that you guys have and and um, what you've been able to contribute to the sport. So talk a little bit about Rabbit Wolf sure. and what you guys are up to. Yeah, um, so we founded Rabbit Wolf two, yeah, almost two years ago. It was 20, yeah, 2018, I guess. Okay. Um, myself um, and my girlfriend at the time, Sarah Cotton, we, she, she had been freelancing outside of, out right after college and uh, doing photography and some videography and I was like, man, this is cool. Like, yeah. I would love, I didn't really have any experience in photography or anything. None, going None. into that, that's crazy. Well, I knew I always liked it. Yeah. But I never had a camera of my own or anything, but I was always fascinated with putting Until things. two years ago? Yeah, I had never <laughs> put any, like, I had taken some photos and I always thought I had like an eye for it. Okay. Um, but I love like creating things. Yeah. And uh, creating stories especially, so. Um, yeah, I kind of weaseled my way into her teaching me how to use a use a camera, and then um, yeah, we just. Where we, else did this artistic expression come out of? Like, or, um, or where did you? What were some of other outlets prior I to this? I wrote a lot, so okay. I was always big into writing. Yeah, you know, that was kind of my creative outlet to that point. 
Um, but nothing like stylistically, like in terms yeah, of Yeah, I was that... always pretty good on Photoshop. So okay. I was always messing around with like more like digital imaging and stuff, but never with my own images. It was always with other people's stuff. And not professionally. This is all just you. This is all just me. Yeah. I would. As a hobby. Sorry. Yeah. But I'd always been able to like, even the place I worked before, it was like, do you think you can make this poster? I was like, yeah, I could do that. So there's a lot of like teaching myself. Um, okay. But yeah, so anyways, Sarah and I ended up bringing Ryan Sterner on board, another guy that I knew through Sidious Mag. He lived in LA at the time, and we were just like, let's create a content, a little content studio. Um, we have a lot of contacts within the running world. We were very lucky to have contacts at brands like Under Armour, yep. um, and they helped us right away with some really cool gigs that we kind of, you know, just like learning on the fly. Just like, did we just agree to that? Like, we don't know how to do that, you know? But it was like, we'll figure it out. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, the last two years have been a whirlwind. Um, we've gotten, we, Ryan and I were talking about last night, just like, you know, we've, thinking where we were a year ago to where we are now, just like blows our mind. But think about that in like a couple of years, like is what we're doing now gonna be like, you guys were idiots. Like, what were you doing? Um, and it's not that we were idiots about like producing things, it's just the way we go about things is like so much more efficient now. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. And yeah, we've, uh, one thing we've really dug our teeth into is just, the running content world like we've really tried to build a brand around that and that a recognizable face in the industry so we're at a lot of events a lot of the world marathon majors were there usually in a photography aspect so trying to take images for companies like tempo journal um sidious mm. mag that kind of stuff um but in august we kind of got our biggest project which is uh we were we pitched the idea of creating a documentary on the Northern Arizona elite marathoners as mm -hmm. they were heading into the Olympic trials. Um, you know, we became really close with Northern Arizona elite over the last couple of years doing work for them. And we talked to Ben Rosario, their coach, and we're like, man, this is a, this is our idea. We want to profile, you know, these six, six of these marathoners as they train for, for the trials. And he was totally on board. And we were just, the access we've been given is just silly. You know, we've, been around these people for months now and uh, you know multiple times a week we're sitting down with them doing interviews at all their workouts so yeah it's a really special project um and yeah can't can't wait to to release it and when is that going to be can you tease tease yeah. when so the film is called a time and a place and we're hoping it's released in june june 23rd at the track trials we're trying to premiere it um some things need to get buttoned up like making the movie uh <laughs> until then but uh yeah, that, that, that's the big idea right now. We're sitting on a ton of footage. <laughs> awesome. That's exciting, man. Yeah. Looking forward. So that's going to be in Eugene. Yeah, hopefully. Awesome. So yeah. to, to be continued. Yeah. Um, Steven, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, happy to be here. It's good to meet you. Awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks. I've been over here.